Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Weekly Racing Roundup for the week of February 12th, Sunday. This is Race Car Dave. First thing I want to do is put my hand up. I got a little bit too jumpy. Was filled with too much of the boogity, boogity, boogity Dale Waltrip spirit. Getting excited for Daytona and for WRC. I jumped the gun. All that stuff's happening next week. But that's going to give us a little bit of an opportunity to take a closer look at NASCAR. This week, we're going to have a talk with Brother Dave about why you should accept NASCAR into your heart, at least a little bit. Uh, We're going to take a look at the season coming up, who you need to pay attention to. They've got a butt-ton of drivers over there, so you're going to want to know, maybe pick your runner for the year. Pick your racer you want to follow this year. That's kind of what NASCAR is all about, following the driver. And then in our news segment... There has been a lot of paint jobs and promises rolled out in the livery slash car rollout period for Formula One this week. All right, let's get into it. Did you know NASCAR is two years older than Formula One? Formed at Daytona Beach in 1948, it merged the uh, Daytona Beach culture of setting speed records on the beach with a regional kind of fairground act where... Ex-moonshiners who had the hopped-up cars to run away from the cops during the Prohibition era had started taking them out on Sundays and, and seeing who had the fastest hot rod. Bill France Sr. saw that this could be a profitable venture and a interesting show, so what he decided to do is formalize it into the National Association of Stock Car Auto Racing. Since then, it's grown to be the largest motorsport by viewership in the United States. And I'm going to have Brother Dave explain to you folks who might be coming from other racing series why you might want to give NASCAR a chance. Hey, F1 fan, good to see you again. Why don't you come in and have a seat, rest for a spell. Sure does seem to be a whole messy around lately. That's great. Seems like y'all got a pretty good show going on over there. I've been watching for years, and they seem like they got that deal up and running pretty good. But you all right? Seems like everyone's having a good time with F1, but you look like something might be bugging you. (laughs) For sure, it's been a long winter. We're all ready to get racing again. It's not just that, though, is it? You afraid it's going to be another walkover for old Max again? Yeah, well, that sure does seem to be the way of it lately. Hey, hey, come here. Can I share something with you? I felt that way before. Feeling like things are in a rut. Like you already know what's going to happen before it all gets started. Like like maybe the, the race fan flame in your heart might be burning a little bit lower. Have you thought about letting NASCAR into your heart? Hey, now hold on. Wait a minute. I ain't trying to tell you to quit F1. Lord knows it's the only thing that still gets me mad enough to shout at the TV and scare the wife and kids. I'm just saying maybe you could see if a little NASCAR in your life might brighten your race season. Now, now I know I'm not speaking completely out of turn here. I've seen you eyeing NASCAR out of the corner of your eye. Like when they're at Watkins Glen in Sonoma or when that Kiwi came up and put on a clinic in Chicago last year. That was, that was a pretty good show, right? And I know they drive around in circles, but all racetracks are circles in the end. But I, but I think that's missing the point right there. Watching one car pound around a racetrack, it, it gets, gets to be kind of boring. It only really gets exciting when there's a race happening. 
because it's the racers that make the race. NASCAR isn't confused about what it is. It knows full well it's a jumped-up fairground act from North Carolina, and for better or for worse, it's never really forgotten that. It knows the reason people watch the race is to see their favorite driver win, or at least their least favorite driver have a bad day. Don't think for a minute those cup boys don't know how to build and engineer fast hot rod. They've just all decided it was better for the show and a healthy sport to keep the play and feel level. Feature the drivers. Let me ask you something. Who's your favorite F1 driver? Who's your favorite team? Well, heck, if it ain't Max or Red Bull, when's the last time you thought they even had a realistic chance of winning? Last year, NASCAR had 15 different winners from 10 different teams. Kind of nice watching an actual race on Sundays, isn't it? Man, and I hear those F1 announcers getting all giddy with excitement about strategy possibilities in a two-stop race. Because there might be a chance of winning the race by being clever instead of just running away in the fastest car in the field. Have, have you considered NASCAR? Cup race has between 4 and 12 stops. Can't even get in a position win without being clever or, and or lucky all day. Heck, the fastest car at the end of the race might have been junk at the start. All those stops give the teams an opportunity to work on the setup throughout the day and get the car right by the end. And how do you think they do that? They don't have all that fancy telemetry and a factory full of egghead engineers suss things out. It's just the driver talking to the crew chief, telling him what he feels in his ass and through the steering wheel. Well, hey, I've pulled you aside long enough. Look at me rambling. I, I appreciate you stopping in and having a chat. I'm looking forward to all kinds of racing this year from all over the planet. But if you're ever feeling low or sad about the way your series is going, just, just remember... Leave a little room for NASCAR in your heart. You might find out there's a bit more to it than you expect. Hi, this is Dave Adams, a.k.a. Race Car Dave, host of the Weekly Racing Roundup. Uh, asking you if you enjoy what you're hearing, please go ahead, give us a like, subscribe, share, do all the things. Uh, in order to grow the show, we need to spread the word. So please go ahead and tell anybody you know that's into racing. Give us a listen at the Weekly Racing Roundup. Thank you, Brother Dave, for sharing. If you are interested in dipping your toe in NASCAR this year, I'm going to give you a quick rundown of the Championship 16 last year and a couple of drivers who didn't make it who might be worth keeping an eye on. I expect them to do uh, well this year. At the top of the list for Penske Racing in a, the number 12 Ford Mustang was Ryan Blaney with three wins. I don't know in the middle of the year if you would have called him the best driver of the year, but when it came down to it, he got the wins when it mattered, and he got that championship in Phoenix. Behind him, the number five, Kyle Larson for Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, this is possibly the most talented uh, driver in NASCAR. His car control is phenomenal. He comes from a dirt racing background, so he Pulls some amazing stuff off in that number five Chevrolet, although he does tend to be a bit of a wreckers or checkers kind of guy. Uh, behind him was William Byron in the 24 for Hendrick Motorsports. This guy won more races than anybody last year. Kind of an academic approach. He actually came from a sim racing, iRacing background, but it, it does appear to work. It kind of gives him more of an analytical edge. Uh, but yes, he had six wins last year, topping the win charts. 
Behind him, the first of the Gibbs cars, number 20, Christopher Bell in the Gibbs Toyota Camry. He had two wins last year. This guy has been very consistent over the last two years, kind of a baby-faced assassin, but he um, hasn't quite shown the kind of, I don't know if he's just not that exciting or whether he's just kind of more of a consistent under-the-radar operator, but generally, this may be his year. We'll see. Uh, behind him, the second of the Gibbs uh, cameras in the top was number 11, Denny Hamlin, a man who's having a bit of a late career surge in awareness. He's kind of turned into the heel of NASCAR, the bad guy of NASCAR, but he got three wins for Joe Gibbs Racing last year. Uh, he's kind of an interesting character. He was featured heavily in the Netflix show. He has his own podcast. He's an interesting guy, too, because he's also a car owner in conjunction with Michael Jordan. Behind Denny Hamlin, we have the number 45 of Tyler Reddick, the first of the 2311 cars to make it into the top 16 last year. Uh, this young man's very exciting. He is particularly strong on road courses. So watch for him coming up probably at Coda. But he's, he's strong, uh, consistent across the board, but features heavily on road courses. He had two wins last year. Uh, behind them, we got the two RFK cars of Chris Busher and Brad Kozlowski. Chris Busher's in the number 17 Mustang. Brad Kozlowski in the number 6. Chris Busher's just getting it done. He got three wins last year. Uh, fairly consistent performer. Brad Kozlowski, the team owner for that car in Roush Fenway, Kozlowski Racing, didn't get any wins last year, but he was so consistent, he did manage to point his way into the top 16. All right, behind those two, we've got Ross Chastain in the number one track house, Chevy Camaro. This is the Watermelon Man, uh, made famous by that wall ride at Martinsville, which was subsequently outlawed as a move. This guy is elbows out all the time. Every single minute of a race, he's just trying to pass the next guy, a tenacious competitor. Uh, but if you like someone who's not, not afraid to move somebody out of the way, uh, this guy might be for you. He had two wins last year. Behind him was the number 23, Bubba Wallace, for 2311 Racing. Uh, another driver who was consistent enough to point his way into the championship without getting any wins. Hopefully, uh, we'll see a little bit more from Bubba Wallace this year as the 2311 program seems to be coming on fairly well. Behind him was the number 19 of Martin Truex in another Joe Gibbs Toyota Camry with three wins last year. Through the regular season, Martin Truex Jr. was probably the most consistent performer of the year. Uh, but when the championship rounds started up, he just he just just kind of faded towards the end of the year. Was mostly stronger at the beginning of the middle of the year, but when it came time to close the deal, he wasn't um, wasn't getting the job done. But he did get three wins for the year. Uh, behind him was the number 22 of Joey Logano in the second of the Penske Mustangs on the list. He had, I would say, a lackluster year last year. He is a former champion. He did get a win last year, but it was very hit or miss for the number 22 car. So if he can get the ship righted and pointed in the right direction, he's going to be very dangerous. Uh, behind, Well, Kevin Harvick finished behind him, but Kevin Harvick retired, so if you like Kevin, listen for him in the broadcast booth. Behind him was Kyle Busch. Uh, in his first year, switched to Richard Childress Racing last year, having spent his entire previous career at Joe Gibbs Racing. He did manage to get 
three wins and definitely was the most consistent and top quality performer for Richard Childress Racing. I mean, this this guy's won a, a bamillion races in NASCAR, all all tiers. We've got he's got Xfinity wins, truck wins, uh, Cup wins. I've seen him win all three races at a track in the same weekend. He's very good. Uh, let's see if his second year at Richard Childress Racing will yield more fruit. All right, behind them we had Michael McDowell, who did manage to sneak a win in right before the chase. He's with a smaller team, Front Row Motorsports. This is one of those names I wouldn't guarantee is necessarily going to be on the list next year, but I did want to mention him. And then behind him, we had Ricky Stenhouse racing with JTD Daughtry Racing, who also is another one of the drivers who did manage to sneak in to the top 16 this year by getting a win, but I am not 100% sure we will be talking about him towards championship time. Uh, the two other drivers I did want to mention were Chase Elliott, the number nine, former cup champion who had a bit of a spotty year last year. He was out with injury. He broke his leg snowboarding before the season started, so he did miss a couple races at the beginning of the year, and then he missed a couple more races a little bit later in the year as he door-hooked somebody into a wall uh, at a race. NASCAR generally is okay with a little bit of pushing and shoving, but you can't pit maneuver somebody on a front straight at over 150 miles an hour and expect not to get repercussions. So he was also suspended for a couple races last year. Hopefully this year, since he's going to have a fresh start, he's going to be real dangerous in one of those Hendrick Chevrolets. And as much as I hate to admit it, uh, young Ty Gibbs, grandson of Coach Gibbs, owner of Gibbs Motorsports, is in the number 54 Toyota Camry. He looked very dangerous at the Clash last weekend. Last year was his rookie year, so he was kind of learning the ropes. But as much as I hate to admit it, this young man looks like he is going to be a dangerous force this year. Okay, thanks for hanging in there. We kind of ran through the top 16 drivers you may want to pay attention to for next year. Uh, next week, we're going to be looking at the Daytona 500, a race that I only give one boogity to on the Daryl Waltrip boogity, boogity, boogity scale. Uh, it's a plate race, so it kind of looks like a kind of looks like a Tour de France peloton driving around until they kind of crash each other out. We'll see. We'll see how the race plays out. I would recommend if you're new or you want to peek into NASCAR the following week. Uh, we'll be at Atlanta Motor Speedway, and, and they've reconfigured that track, and the fall race there was incredibly exciting. So that's one to watch, particularly if you want to get a good sample of what NASCAR has to offer and actually see a pretty exciting race. Uh, one other thing to note, if you are on Shane Van Ginsburg and watch, the V8 Supercar three-time champion will be starting his full-time NASCAR career this year. He will be running full-time in Xfinity racing with uh, Trackhouse Racing. Uh, his first cup race will be at Coda, the first road race of the year, uh, early in March. Um, but he'll be doing double duty on Saturday this week. He'll be running in ARCA and in Xfinity on February 17th, uh, a week today, Saturday. So... It will be interesting to see if the road course ace and three-time supercar champion takes to, as far as NASCAR goes, the extreme opposite of what his skill set 
has to show. We'll be keeping our eyes on him this year. He's a very exciting story. I really hope he takes to the new style of racing well um, because he could be a very exciting person to watch over the next three, four years. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Okay, next up, we've got the news. And we're going to start the news with the paint jobs and promises portion of the season for Formula One. We had a couple cars roll out this week. Let's run down the list real quick. Williams revealed their new paint job in uh, Render. It wasn't the new car. It was a new paint job. Lots of lots more stickers, which is good. Kind of the sign of a healthy race car. I do enjoy the larger Duracell um, battery on the airbox this year. It's a good-looking car. We don't know anything about the actual new car, but hopefully this will help Alex Albon and life-size G.I. Joe action figure, Logan Sargent, have a better year this year. They were trending up last year. Hopefully, they can consolidate and move up the grid. Next, we have Stake F1, or the artist formerly known as Sauber, launching their C44 in kind of black Tron bike with green stripe livery. Um, they didn't want you to get confused with the car last year, which was black with uh, red stripes on it so they're trying to rebrand themselves as stake this year they wanted a visual separation uh the launch of the c44 actually was a brand new car um the most obvious change is they changed from a push rod to a pull rod front suspension this year moving them in line with red bull and mclaren in what appears to be the more optimal solution for the current rule set Okay, behind them we had Alpine launching their A524. This, in fact, also was a new car. The new livery comes in two flavors, black with blueberries and black with strawberry sprinkles, as they traditionally like to run two different liveries throughout the year. They'll do uh, eight races in the pink, in quotations, mark car, and the rest of the races will be run in the black and blue livery. Um, they... This is a whole new car. They did a whole chassis, whole new chassis. Uh, they said they kind of maxed out the concept last time. Uh, they had a little bit of problems getting the tub through crash testing. So it seems like they may be being aggressive on trying to pull weight out of the car. Uh, we'll see how it works out for them. Hopefully, Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon, uh, they were kind of floating in no man's land last year. Hopefully, this car will help them move up the grid. Okay, the third car launch we had this week was, in fact, a new car. It was the Visa Cash App RB01, which will now and forever be referred to as the V-Carb because it's much easier to say. It was launched in a bit of an RB Cola throwback livery from the Toro Rosso days, a red, white, and blue deal. Uh, again, much like Steak, a.k.a. Sauber, a.k.a. X Alfa Romeo, they have also switched to a pull rod front end, um, which again is going to put them more in line with Red Bull. And since they do have somewhat of a technical partnership with Red Bull, they are now mechanically very similar front to back. Uh, and then aerodynamically, when they were AlphaTauri last year, towards the end of the year, they were making major strides, kind of getting that Red Bull trickle-down technology at the back. But with this rearrangement of the front suspension, they will be able to apply all of the Red Bull concepts to this car so they may be in a position to move up their grid dramatically if that is the case 
Okay, we also had MotoGP testing at CPANG. Uh, just, just as a note, I miss CPANG circuit in F1. They still race there at, uh, for MotoGP. It was an early Tilka track and, and one of its better tracks. But anyway, I, I digress. Um, the big talking point for testing at CPANG was uh, Arrow. MotoGP's gone apeshit for Aero. We're only, they only started really using aerodynamics in MotoGP in 2016 uh, when Ducati showed up with a couple dive plane, anti-wheelie dive planes on the fairings. But now in 2024, it, it's gone crazy. Um, the only two teams that, well, it also coincides with the backslide of the Japanese manufacturers. Uh, Yamaha did win the championship three years ago with Fabian Quattararo. But uh, Honda and Yamaha in the last few years have just been backsliding down the grid because they really didn't embrace the concept of aerodynamics. And, and now they're getting on board, but, but they're years behind. So hopefully we'll see them moving up the grid with some of the developments this year. I mean, we've seen fairing dive planes. We've seen swing arm under trays. We see itty-bitty tail wings that look like they got stolen from one of those cool little hats the Japanese people wear at the Japanese Grand Prix. Um, but the most interesting thing we've seen this year, and I never thought, and I don't even know exactly how this works, but Aprilia introduced a blown diffuser, an exhaust blown diffuser on the back of the bike where uh, the exhaust exits out under the tail. And there's kind of like a box section of aero fences mounted to the swing arm creating a, a, a diffuser on a motorcycle, which is not something I've ever really seen before. Well, it'll be interesting to see if that actually works throughout the year, if that helps them catch up to Ducati. And catch up to Ducati is what everybody needs to do because they uh, have been the champions the last two years, arguably the, inarguably the strongest bike, and the test was utterly dominated by Ducatis. Uh, last year's champion, Peko Bagnaia, was on the 2024 machine with last year's second place of the championship, Jorge Martin behind him, and Enya Bastanini third behind him. Uh, behind them was uh, Alex Marquez, Mark Marquez's uh, younger brother on a 2023 Ducati. Uh, the fastest non-Ducati was Alex Espargaro, or Alace Espargaro, in fifth on the Aprilia with that jazzy new blown diffuser. Uh, Mark Marquez in his switch from Honda to Ducati was six fastest in testing, um, still getting used to the Desmo Sedici, but he'll be running the 2023 bike this year. Um, the other thing is Acosta, the reigning Moto2 world champion. Uh, he was, finished the test ninth on the confusingly named Gas Gas KTM, uh, continuing his hot run in preseason testing, adapting very well to the new machinery. The fastest of the Japanese bikes was uh, Juan Mir on one of the Repsol Hondas in 10th. There will be one more preseason test at LaSalle in Qatar ahead of the uh, March 10th first race. Okay, a couple other notes for the news. Uh, Lewis Hamilton and Chip Ganassi are pausing their efforts in the Formula Extreme Off-Road Electric Racing Championship. Uh, possibly because the series will be switching to hydrogen fuel cells in 2025, or possibly because I don't know that anybody's watching it. They kind of uh, held these races out out in the middle of nowhere, uh, always show them on TV. Kind of cool looking, looks like kind of a Dakar buggy kind of deal, electric, but 
there seems to be a bit of a pause in interest from the competitors on whether or not their money is well spent in Formula Extreme. And I will mention, uh, Christian Horner appears to be under investigation for possible inappropriate behavior, but here on the Roundup, we don't like to report on speculation. We just like to report on what is happening. So that is all I know. I know he was supposed to face some form of tribunal uh, Friday of last week, but there is no new news on that. All right, that's going to do it for the Weekly Racing Roundup this week. Next week, we've got Wednesday pole qualifying for the Daytona 500. Thursday, we've got the Dual 150s at Daytona to set the rest of the field. Thursday through Sunday, we've got WRC Sweden with Callie Robin Perry coming back to see how he fares against the rest of the full-time field. We also have the 12 Hours of Bathurst on Saturday, the next leg in the search for GT3 dominance. And then Sunday, we have the big show, the Daytona 500. Everybody, thank you for listening. This has been Race Car Dave. Keep the rubber side down.